Podcasting from Heroes Media Group with real, relevant, and raw opinions. This is the College Sports Hour with your host, Clint McPherson, and co-host, Greg Dixon. What's up, guys? You're listening to Episode 6 of the College Sports Hour podcast, and we'll be talking about all the chaos that went down during Week 7 of the 2018 college football season. I'm your host, Clint, and I'm sitting here with co-host Greg. What's up, brother? Hey, man. How's it going? Hope everybody's doing well. It is a beautiful day out here in this part of North Carolina, man. Hope everybody is doing fantastic. Yeah, man. We are doing great in North Carolina. The weather is cool. It seems like perfect, you know, college sports football weather it's it's one of those things we get to enjoy we're not sweating to death so i'm really i'm really <laughs> digging it right now absolutely crisp crisp uh, temperatures in the air leaves are changing colors it can only mean that we are full-fledged into the college football season and don't worry because college basketball season's around the corner as well yeah oh yeah man right there i mean i know you're excited duke has <laughs> duke looks like from their exhibitions like they have something special on that end Hey, man, this Friday night is actually the countdown to madness, which is the official kickoff for Duke basketball. So, uh, man, it's, it's looking good. Looking, I'm excited about that season. But before we jump into that, we still got some football games to cover. Yeah, man, let's do it. So on this episode, guys, we'll be talking about how the top 25 fared over the weekend, who took care of business, who fell short, how any of those upsets or losses impact their seasons moving forward, and address any final thoughts or surprises we might have from Week 7. We'll also talk about the new Week 8 top 25 um, AP rankings that came out today highlight some important week eight matchups and address who we have on upset alert heading into week eight. Hey guys, and just a quick reminder too, before we dive into everything, make sure you check out the College Sports Hour podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube under College Sports Hour. You can also find us on Facebook, our website, collegesportshour.com, and on the Heroes Media Group website under their show tabs. So don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow us as we continue the college sports conversation. With that said, man, week seven of the 2018 college football season is in the books. And if I had one word to sum it up this week, man, I would use the word chaos, brother. Upset Saturday arriving a huge way yet again, two weeks in a row. So this time sending more than a handful of ranked teams to losses. This weekend definitely trimmed down some of the college football playoff contenders. So we weeded out some of the pretenders. Of note, four top ten teams lost on Saturday, but more importantly, Two of them, Penn State and Washington, suffer their second losses of the season, which all but eliminates them from championship contention. And after week seven, only eight undefeated FBS teams remain. What did you make out of all the craziness that went down this past week, brother? You know, I thought last week was absolutely nuts, and then all of a sudden things started falling like they did on Saturday, and I was having a hard time keeping up with everything that was happening. You know, flipping back and forth between games, trying to figure out, you know, oh, this game right here is getting a little tight, this game's getting a little crazy on this end, oh, this game over here that I thought was going to be good is now a blowout, so I'm pushing that game aside, I'm not worried about that one anymore. Man, it was just a lot to keep up with it made for a very interesting weekend. I mean, without a doubt... and what my one regret in, during this week was not actually sitting behind the TV and watching every game I could. The reason for that is because <laughs> I, I got tickets at the last minute to go to the ECU-Houston game. 
And so my son was so excited about it. And I was like, you know, at the last minute, I almost changed my mind. I was like, man, I do not feel like going to watch <laughs> East Carolina because I know their offense is hot, buttery. Who knows what's going on? But I, they, they lived up to that expectation when I arrived and Houston put it to them. My son was, you know, we had to be, you know, on the, on the DL. He was like, Dad, who's purple? The red team, I like red. Let's go for them. So we're like, we're we are secret cougars for the game. Oh, we're man. giving each other fives, and I was like, man, you got to be hush hush. We're sitting in a crowd <laughs> of purple people eaters over here, so you got to be careful, man. Well, let's be honest with you. The Pirates of ECU have had a very rough season so far, and it doesn't look like things are going to get any better. Um, I got quite a few friends that are Pirate alumni and Pirate fans, and it's fun to watch them on Twitter right now, kind of going back and forth at how, man, they are just absolutely disgusted uh, with their team. So, But I hope you and your son had a, had a good time at the game, man. I hope you guys made some, made some memories. But you certainly did miss a few, uh, few key moments in the, uh, in the college football world this past weekend, having to go to that game oh man i was i was like man why I, this the one <laughs> week i was like why you know because i just didn't see some of this stuff happening like oh, i yeah. said chaos uh, you know just just was in full effect and i regretfully sat and missed most <laughs> of it you know so let's go let's um let's move on man so so coming into this week we had you know several ranked teams that actually sat out week seven so they weren't part of the madness that was clemson Oklahoma, Kentucky, NC State, Mississippi State, and Cincinnati. So they, unfortunately, did not get to partake in the chaos. But maybe, <laughs> maybe rightfully... they were happy they were sitting at home this weekend. <laughs> exactly. Maybe rightfully so. They were very happy that they were actually sitting on the couch or doing whatever they were watching the games. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. So here's how the top 25 fared during week seven of the 2018 college football season. And so we're, we're changing into the segment of who took care of business, who in the top 25 took care of business. And, you know, the chaos really, you know, could this Friday night well, maybe was a telltale sign of what was to come. I tell you what, man, who who would have thought that, you know, South Florida and Tulsa would be coming down to the wire like that? I, you know, geez, I mean, you know, you got South South Florida who's, you know, was 5-0 and going into the weekend, ranked number 23. And then you got a Tulsa team who's only coming out and coming into that game with, uh, with one win on the season. So nobody had any expectations, really, I'm sure, about Tulsa coming in there and trying to upset South Florida. But it almost happened. <laughs> it did, man. And, and, and that's the, the name of the game for some of these teams just surviving. South yep. Florida, man, found themselves heading into that fourth quarter, trailing 24 to 10. And yep. I was like, I had to keep, you know, like, what's going on? I, I was like, I wasn't following the game. I was doing my Facebook Live at this time. Um, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I, I was following the game on um, the iPad. But yep. at the same time, this was during my Facebook Live. And I saw, I was like, you know, Tulsa's winning 24-10, South Florida's struggling, and man, they find a way to stop Tulsa in that fourth quarter, and they score 15 unanswered, and Blake Barnett and the South Florida Bulls pull out a 25-24 win. Kudos to them for hanging on, man. Oh yeah, well I mean you know that's what you got to do. I mean the name of the game is to win, and so as long as you can come out with a victory, you're sitting you're sitting pretty. But man, get being able to kick that field goal with two seconds left on the clock, uh, man, that right there was huge. What a huge uplifting time for that way is. Uh, you know something else there for South Florida is that man they did most of the damage on the ground in this game, rushing the ball 47 times for 250 yards, including three touchdowns right there, man. So U.S. Uh, South Florida man they were playing great. I mean you know they kind of turned it around there in the fourth quarter and was able to play some great ball in that one quarter that was able enough for them to come away 
with a victory. Yeah, like you said, that rushing game was huge for him because Blake Barnett behind center kind of was struggling, 17 for 39, one interception. So, man, that running game came through at the end. They pulled it out, and I'm glad to see South Florida hang on and stay undefeated. Absolutely. So let's move on to Saturday, man. This is, again, <laughs> chaos, like I said. So we start off with a game that, you know, we really – we knew what was going to happen. Alabama was going to play a Missouri team and take what, care wait, of business. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, you just flipped the script on me, didn't you? We just moved into the portion of things that people who didn't handle business. You mean Alabama won? What? <laughs> Alabama beat Missouri? No. They came away with another win. God, can we just move past this one already? Uh, I'm with you, man. I mean, Tua, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to bring it up because he, you know, going in yeah. that slide, he, he had a little tweak in the knee. Yeah. Um, so it was a cause for concern when he slid again and actually had to come out of the game. He still threw for three touchdowns. He didn't have his hottest <laughs> performance. He was 12 for 22, but out of those 12 completions, three of them were for touchdowns. Um, what what else is this guy going to do for the remainder of the season? I mean, like when the guy goes 12 for 22 for 265 and three touchdowns and we're downplaying it like, yeah, you know, he's had better games than that. Like, what what else can this kid do? I mean, oh, my gosh, I'm just sitting here going, you know, let's just go ahead and give Alabama the national championship now and let's be done with this thing already. Well, see, there, a lot of people say they haven't played anybody yet. I got it of note. They've been blowing people out and they, they really haven't had a stacked deck schedule wise. But, man, they're going and taking care of business obviously man somebody told me they struggled and i was like okay they win by <laughs> 29 points that's four touchdowns and we're talking about them struggling that that's sad but if they go in an sec game where where a lot of times some of these teams will struggle and they took care of business as we will talk about here in the next few moments, we'll see about some other SEC teams that, that struggled and weren't able to win, some teams that struggled and were able to win. But, yeah, okay, Alabama struggled in the first quarter. The score was 13-10. to 10. And then they go on to score 26 unanswered points throughout the rest of the game. Um, and this was the closest game they've had all year. Trust me, Alabama's not sweating anything right now. <laughs> I'm with you, man. So let's move on to a game that I really saw that surprised me, one, that I really saw Ohio State just blowing this team out because Minnesota's have been struggling. They did have a hot start to the season, starting off at 3-0. They fell themselves, you know, losers of the last two games. And so I didn't see, you know, Coach Flick and his team rowing the boat too much, you know, his little mantra he has going on. But <laughs> Ohio State found themselves in a dogfight in the first half primarily. But again, it seems like Ohio State, that second half is theirs. So they took control of the game. Dwayne Haskins, again, puts up some huge numbers, 33 for 44, 412 yards and three touchdowns. Man, what, what's your take on this? I tell you what, one of the things that I wrote in my notes here for about this game was that this is one of those games that you would have hoped for, to see Ohio State do more, but that didn't. they didn't deliver. And I don't know if this is just one of those games where you're not putting a whole lot of emphasis on as a player uh, because it's Minnesota and you know they don't really pose that big of a threat. Uh, the one thing that I kind of took away from this game is that if Ohio State is going to be there to compete with Alabama at, towards the end of this year, then they've got to do something about that running game. Ohio State struggled there running the ball 32 times for only 92 yards yeah Haskins had a great game 412 yards and three touchdowns man that's fantastic but you're going to have to be able to run that ball especially against that Alabama defense you're going to have to have a little bit better of of a consistency there on both sides being able to throw and run the ball if you're going to be able to beat that team 
Yeah, the surprise for me in this game was how effective Minnesota was on the ground. I mean, coming into the game, I don't believe – I want to say that the, the two touch, rushing touchdowns that the running back had, that was the first mm-hmm. two of the year. Um, and and that, that might be wrong in saying that, but, I mean, I know they haven't been running the ball effectively. They've been struggling right. in that area, but they, they, they found ways to get in the end zone in that first half and, and make it a game. But, again, like I said, second half was Ohio State, and they put it in cruise control from there. Absolutely. So let's go on to Pitt, man. This was a shocker to me. They had Notre Dame on the ropes the entire game, man. Uh, Pittsburgh seems to be a team that is developing a little bit of a reputation that is uh, in there for knocking off teams that are ranked in the top five. Last year, they were able to knock off Clemson, who was ranked number three at the time. The year before that, they knocked off Miami, who was ranked number two at the time. And for the last several years, Pittsburgh and Notre Dame have always had these games. Man, It's been a one-possession game, and they're really, really close. And so Notre Dame, you know, kind of gets a, you know, comes off of a big win uh, last week uh, against a Virginia Tech team, as well as a win off of Stanford the week before that. So they're coming in here with some emotional wins and maybe not quite up for Pittsburgh like they should have been. And it showed. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh surprised me. Obviously, they had a good showing against Syracuse winning in overtime in that game. But the real story was how Ian Book overcome some of this adversity. He threw a 35-yard touchdown pass to Miles Boykin with 543 remaining. And, and help them to that victory. But, man, I kept looking at my phone during this game and because and, I didn't get to see, sit and watch it because I was traveling over there to um, Greenville. And, and mm-hmm. I was like, man, Ian Book's having a good game. He's 26 for 32, 264 yards with two touchdowns, but he had two crucial picks. So yeah. that, was, that was the thing that, you know, kind of probably limited them to doing more damage. But, again, man, Pittsburgh did whatever they could to to, to, to keep this game close and but Notre Dame in the end found a way to pull it out and I mean that's what you're that's what you got to do but it does kind of bring up the questions that people have had about Notre Dame kind of for this entire season is that yeah they're ranked up there in the top five but uh, are they really a national title contender at this point in time in their in their career yeah we'll, we'll see though man it, it seems like though every team that you know is on top and I'm I think Miami or when I say Miami but uh, Miami's on the mind because of the epic, um, you know, meltdown they had. But um, going back, Alabama. You know, Alabama's been on cruise control, but they're going to have a game where they face adversity, where they don't have everything clicking. Um, sure. it, it seems like every team throughout the year has this. And hopefully for Notre Dame and their team, even though they've played a couple close games, you know, Michigan's won. But mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, man, I just didn't see this happening. I give the Pittsburgh team a, a lot of props for making this a game. You know, they're in the ACC, which is struggling right now. But, man, Notre Dame stays undefeated. Absolutely. Let's move on to another game. I, you know, it was like, watch out, guys. You know, I'm, I'm on the Texas bandwagon, obviously, because of the momentum <laughs> they built up finally. It's, right. it's taken me a while to say that. But, man, this was like, okay, let's see if they can actually beat a Baylor team. You know, the, the, are they continuing to take the right steps in the right direction? And again, they found themselves in a fight in this game too. Um, Texas obviously comes up big in that second quarter to score 20 points to kind of, um, you know, jump out to a, to a larger lead than Baylor was able to overcome. And the rest of the game in the second half was more of a defensive battle. 
Well, you're kind of looking at that, you know, they, they too faced some adversity in that game a little bit like Alabama did when they saw Sam Eilinger, their starting quarterback, go down in the first quarter with an injury to his shoulder. And, you know, they're still waiting to hear back the reports on that, wondering, you know, if it's going to be anything that's going to keep him out long term or anything along those lines. And so they bring in their quarterback, uh, Shane Bouchelle, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. And he comes in to lead the Longhorns. So uh, they were able to they were able to to keep this game intact and, and win it. But, uh, you know, I think all our eyes are on that starting quarterback and wondering uh, what's going to happen there with Eilinger. Yeah, because, man, it's going to change that momentum. Everything they got going for him could come to a screeching halt with him not being behind um, that QB position. But we'll see, man. Hopefully he, he recovers. Hopefully he can jump back in it and, and continue to help Texas win. All right, man, another game. It seems like the Florida teams, what's going on? You know, another undefeated, the self-proclaimed, you know, Central Florida. They're, they're, they're playing a Memphis team. They're going into Memphis, playing a Memphis team that, that typically upsets teams. And, man, Memphis had the upset of Bruin. They scored 30 points in the first half. I don't know if um, Central Florida was ready for the, for the, the jabs and the, the uppercuts Memphis was throwing throughout this game. But again, the second half, these teams are finding a way to win the game. It is that tale of two halves there. It is the idea that you've got to play all four quarters and you've got to put it all together. And when you're right, man, when you look up at the scoreboard at halftime and you see that Memphis is up on UCF 30 to 17, it is sitting there kind of making you scratch your head saying, you know what, what's going to happen? Is this going to be another one of those games? Is this going to be another one of those weeks? But yet UCF is able to, to turn the momentum to change it there in that third quarter. Uh, in my opinion, that game completely changed when uh, Taj McGowan took that ball 71 yards uh, for the, for the touchdown. Man, that completely shifted everything around, put the momentum squarely in UCF's hands, and, man, they uh, they began to uh, really knock down that wall and came away with a victory. Yeah, I, I'm glad they were actually able to pull this one out. I am really, I'm I really like the quarterback in McKenzie Milton. He, he's somebody that excites me, just like a Blake Barnett from South Florida. you got these um, quarterbacks that, you know, are impressive, playing for some smaller-level teams. Obviously, Central Florida's like a smaller level, man. We're in this. We're self-proclaimed national champions last year. <laughs> We're currently finding ourselves at 6-0 and on this year. Obviously, Blake Barnett and Central Florida with Milton have to go head-to-head. So that's going to be, hopefully, at, uh, during that time, they're both undefeated. We'll see mm-hmm. how the story unfolds there. But I like, I like what Central Florida's doing right now. Well, they're continuing to keep it running, and as you mentioned, they keep the nation's longest winning streak. It stays intact for another week. Yeah, man, I like that. So let's move on to this. I really saw Wisconsin be able to get this running game going to a certain degree. Yeah. But on the other hand, you have a Michigan team that is by far, since that Notre Dame game, has had one of the best defenses in the nation. They have Absolutely. been limiting um, you know, yards per game holding opponents to, to low um, scores. And so Michigan, basically, man, what this team, you know, I wasn't a buyer in them, but they are actually, they've turned their season around, it seems. Michigan has absolutely, especially with the games over the last couple of weeks, man, has changed my opinion about this team. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer in these Michigan Wolverines and, man, how they're playing, especially how they played since 
uh, well, specifically over the last couple of weeks since the uh, since the Northwestern game, and I mean, really gotten that things moving. I mean, I got to give some I got to give some props to Shea Patterson too. I mean, you know, he uh, I think he took a little bit of heat at the beginning of the season for the way that he was or was not playing the quarterback position in that Jim Harbaugh offense. But man, he got some things going uh, this particular week, and uh, you know, 14 of 21 for 124 yards. That's not I mean, that's not high. That's not that's not sexy or anything like that. But I mean, it's efficient. You know, it's not it's not a turnover prone or anything like that. But he also added nine rushes for 99 yards and a touchdown so uh you know you throw that in there and then you look at how well michigan ran the ball 48 times for 320 yards and three touchdowns yeah they flipped the script on wisconsin and was able to run the ball where wisconsin wasn't yeah and this game was you know low scoring affair in the in the first half and the, and the michigan just again a tell of two two tails they come out and just full throttle in the second half and pull this one out 38 13 Let's move on to another game that was very interesting. This was the one I was actually sitting and watching before I ended up leaving. Um, Florida versus Vanderbilt. You know, typically not a game I'm going to sit down and watch, you know, but (laughs) Vanderbilt had Florida on the ropes. Vanderbilt had Florida. I mean, you know, I was was saying this past week that Florida seemed like they have an elite defense, and then Vanderbilt was was just punching holes in that defense. And I'm like, (laughs) what is going on? And, you know, I know Vanderbilt plays teams tough, you know, good teams tough. And so it was one of those things, you know, there was coaches fighting and, you know, a player was injured <laughs> on the sideline. You had almost coaches like just going at it. Like yeah, both, both sides cleared, you know, basically the bench and they're all like, what's going on? It, it was it was a little bit of excitement, but but at the same time, stupidity. You always see some chippiness amongst the players, but when you start seeing the coaching, uh, the coaches starting to get into it, it really makes you begin to take a second look at, at what's going on there. And I don't know that either uh, coach is really commenting all that much in detail about what all transpired really in the midst of all that. But, man, we did see a Vanderbilt team that came to play against Florida, man, up 21-3 to midway through the second quarter. Uh, man, that was crazy. And then, and then the Gators really began to put in their massive uh, or their massive and impressive uh, comeback from behind there to get a victory there. That 37-27 to final score, in my opinion, is a little misleading about how this game was really feeling uh, for, the, for the majority of that game. Uh, man, they were the Florida was able to run the ball extremely effectively 63 times. I, I, I kind of had to go back and look at that and make sure they actually ran the ball 63 times. But they did for 292 yards, including two running backs, uh, topping the 100-yard mark. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty imp- impressive stat in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, P. Ryan was the one showing out for that team. You know, he yeah. was rushing and, uh, you know, he had the receiving yards to go with it. He had 23 carries, 121 yards, one touchdown, and then four receptions for 93 yards. So, man, he was the workhorse for the Gators. He actually helped them, you know, really get into it. Um, Felipe Franks had a decent day, 19 for 29, 284 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, again, Florida's going to have to play, play better, especially when they have some of these, you know, some of these bigger matchups coming on. But, I mean, man, they get the job done. It, they fell behind, fell, you know, had, faced some adversity and actually pulled this one out. Well, when you're thinking about the SEC East and you're thinking about this Florida team and you're thinking about uh, Georgia and you're thinking about Kentucky, if those are your top three teams right now, uh, you know, it really makes you gives you a head scratcher right now as to who's going to come out of there. Yeah, man. So let's move on to the Texas A&M South Carolina game where I thought, you know, Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies were just going to cruise to this one. That was not the case. It looked like that in the first half. Um, you know, South Carolina, the Gamecocks found themselves down 13 to nothing, couldn't get anything going offensively. You know, there was a couple miscues there, but man, they crawled right back into this game with having that huge third quarter and man, they, they fell short. They, they lost 26 to 23, but at the same time, 
you know, what Jimbo Fisher, you know, I don't know if he's too happy with his team. I let um, South Carolina get back into the game, but it, it just, it's par for this week. Well, uh, you're, you're exactly right. And once again, it's another team going on the road. And I don't care what conference you're in. You're trying to get a win on the road, man, is always going to be difficult. And if you're going to be an elite team, if you're going to be a good team, you got to find ways to scrap and claw and do that. And, man, uh, Texas A&M, they let South Carolina back into the game there in that third quarter where, you know, it looked like they had the game in hand. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you blink and you turn around. And, uh, man, the game is tied up heading into the fourth quarter. So uh, to see Texas A&M come, you know, still kind of keep their composure, still be able to win that game, I thought I, I was actually a little impressed uh, with them to be able to do that and still come away with that victory. Yeah, I like the quarterback still, man. Kellen Mond, he had a huge day. Obviously didn't convert, you know, too many touchdown passes, but you know, having a twenty five for thirty seven, three hundred and fifty three yards and a touchdown pass, that's pretty impressive. And their field goal kicker small was able to connect on four or five field goals to secure that win as well. So uh, you know, props to him. Yeah, man, that's huge. So here we go. Who in the top twenty five did not take care of business? This is the part of the show that I get excited about most. Almost almost as many teams as did take care of business. <laughs> exactly, man. This, like we said at the beginning, this was, it was this was something that I just I didn't see this game going the way it happened. I I knew it was going to be a, a dog fight. I knew it was going to be a lot closer than a lot of people were saying because everybody was like Georgia, Georgia, because you know LSU had that off week last week didn't any, didn't get anything going. But like I said, man, LSU has an elite defense, and it's right. hard. You know, Jake Fromm and the Georgia Bulldogs. That first half was really the thing I think that sealed the deal because they found themselves behind 16 to zero coming in, going into the half, and they only scored 16 points in the entire game. You know, uh, if, if everybody remember last week in our podcast, we were talking about the games that we had highlighted about what could potentially show up as an upset. And this was the game. This is the game that I had circled on there. I really thought, you know, LSU coming off of that loss to Florida from last week, that they were going to be hungrier to come in there. And I was scared of Georgia's slow starts. And then I kind of kept watching and I kept reading and kept looking at some different things about Georgia. And then there was Paul Feinbaum. And he messed me up, man. He said, you know, he's the one who jumped in there and said, you know, a bunch of people picking LSU, but it's going to be Georgia. Watch Georgia roll. And I was like, all right. I'm going to roll with Paul on this one. I'm not going to roll with Paul ever again, man. Paul led me astray for the second week in a row. I did not go with my heart on one of these games. And, uh, man, saw LSU come in there. And, look, this Georgia didn't get beat. Georgia got destroyed. LSU wiped the floor. I mean, this – uh, this game really wasn't uh, all that. It wasn't. It wasn't all that competitive for the most part of the game. Uh, Coach O having his aggressive play calling going on, in, in there, going going forward on fourth downs. Uh, man, uh, Joe Burrow playing a playing a really good, having a great bounce back game from the previous week. And then Jake Fromm, man, really not really not doing a whole lot, man, out, out of sync for the, uh, for a lot of the afternoon. And now I hear a lot of people beginning to question about if it's time to for Kirby Smart to move on from Fromm and go to that uh, backup quarterback they got there, the more uh, the more athletic guy who can make some plays with his feet, uh, Fields. I believe is his name. Yeah, I don't know if I could put it all on Fromm. Fromm did not have a good afternoon, um, but he did. There were some crucial drops that his he didn't get any help from his receiving core. There were some passes um, that you know should have been caught. There's some chain movers. I mean, it was like man, if if some of those kids would have stepped up and did what they were supposed to do, it could have been a different story. Sure. Obviously, it didn't happen that way, and LSU did dominate this game any way you look at it. But I mean, Georgia. Just like they've sputtered on offense, they really sputtered in this game. And then when you have Jake Fromm not being very accurate in this game, and then his team not, you know, having his back and actually making some of these big plays, 
that right there is is just a recipe for disaster. I think the other thing to look at here as well is that, you know, what's one of the things that Georgia likes to do? They like to run the ball. And when you get down by as many points as they got down with early, you can't really establish that running game. And so you become one-dimensional at that point. And uh, that was kind of, you know, kind of felt like the, the beginning of the end, so to speak, for them. Yeah, man, Coach O, he, he came out there aggressive. I like that, like you said. I mean, he he showed no – he came in. He's like, we're gonna we're going to win this game. If we lose yep. it, it's going to be on me. But he, you know, he was determined that, you know, they would not have a repeat of last week. He came in there, definitely proved that. And his team, you know, finds themselves in a good position in the rankings. They jump huge in the rankings. Absolutely. And find themselves looking pretty right now. All right, man. This game right here was just, for me, a big letdown. You called it. I have to give you props on this. There was a big part of me that says, you know, Iowa State, they're dream killers sometimes. I've yep. seen years where you're like, the Cyclones, what? And then they beat a Colorado. They beat some a West Virginia. They beat somebody, and they're like, they've only won one game on the year or something. You're <laughs> like, what? But, man, like you said, that backup quarterback, or he's the QB1 now. You know, he was inserted last week. He gives them another dimension. And Will Greer is taking – you know he's he's declining. He he's he's taking steps in the wrong direction, and I don't know what to make of this West Virginia team. I was firm. I was buyers in them. I wanted to believe in them. I was riding it. I was like, look, they're number six in the nation. They're not gonna slip against Iowa State, but I did say it could happen. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and once again, it's another one of those conference road games. Uh, you know, they're always hard to hard to come by with a win. But I think, you know, I did look at this game and think that there was a good chance that Iowa State could come away with a victory. I don't know that I could have predicted what would have happened in that second half. Man, to see them shut down the Mountaineers the way that they did, holding them to 152 yards and zero points in the second half. That surprised me. I, I thought that Will Greer would put up better numbers uh, than what he did. Uh, tough game, man, 11 of 15 for only 100 yards. Uh, you're not going to win a whole lot of games going that route. And, man, Iowa State's defense showed up. And you're right, man. Brock Purdy, the uh, the new QB1 in Iowa State, uh, he, he had himself another great game. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of this game, really, because, you know, I know, you know West Virginia's coming off that Kansas win where, you know, they had some red zone issues. They had, mm-hmm. you know – uh, Will Greer had he couldn't take care of the ball as good as he would have liked to have, you know, with four interceptions. But man, a hundred yards, Will Greer. Um, <laughs> the, it seemed like you know they they were, they pulled him back. It almost was like, hey, let's you know, you had a bad performance last week, you know, but you, he did enough to win. And then it seemed like their game plan was just not there. And Iowa State, the Cyclones, just dominate this game, like really from the beginning. Yeah, sure enough. I was uh we were actually uh out to eat Saturday night and they had this game on the uh, on the screen. I'm sitting there watching it and I'm t- I'm looking at the guy who's sitting across from me. I'm going, "Look, watch him, watch him. They're going to win. They're going to I picked this game. I picked this game." I was so excited about pick, actually having been able to pick an upset correctly. So, <laughs> yeah, man, because one thing we've been proven this year on in any of our predictions are that we don't know anything, man. Yeah, we can read right. this. I mean, it really comes down to everybody. It's like you can talk as you can do as much research you can do as you can study all these teams but man any given saturday you know somebody that one of these teams is just going to blow your mind like and, and this week and last week are two perfect examples of that 
And uh, there's another game like that that's coming up here in just a few moments that we'll talk about. Yeah, but man, what did you think about Iowa State's all the black uniforms? I was digging it. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I know that less is more kind of deal and you can't do it all the time, but I'm sitting there going, man, especially in those night games like that, you need to be wearing that pretty much every single week. Yeah, man, and, and fortunately for them, they came out and showed out in all black. There's a lot of mm-hmm. times where teams do the all black and then they just epically flop. <laughs> Florida State. We're never, uh, there's a little jab in there for you. So let's move on to uh, the Washington. This is another game you called, man. The yeah, Washington-Oregon game. I Man, why, again, I've said it all year. I don't know what to make of this Washington team. I don't like how they've been playing. They got Jake Browning. They got, you know, and, and for some reason, this offense cannot figure out a way to click. This was a very good game, though. Absolutely. It wasn't, you know, disappointing by no means. But I'm just waiting one of these weeks that that Jake Browning of Washington will have everything clicking on offense. But this week, it wasn't the week. And Oregon finds a way to win in overtime, 30-27. to 27. Well, you're probably going to see that offense click at some point in time. But unfortunately, it's not going to matter now because they are pretty much out of the uh, national title conversation with this loss to Oregon. Uh, this, right, this game right here was a coin flip for just about anybody and everybody, man. You could go either way on this. You could make a great case for Washington to try to win this game or Oregon to win this game. Uh, but, man, my opinion was this was certainly a game that delivered if you were just a, simply a fan of college football that was looking for a good game to watch. Man, they kept going back and forth and tit for tat. Man, one team would score and the other team would score. Uh, defensive stop after defensive stop. It really came down to which team was going to make a play. And Washington had the chance to win the game. There at the end of the regulation, they had a chance to kick the field goal and make it. Uh, Oregon kind of tried to do their best to try to ice that kicker a couple of times there uh, with a couple of timeouts. And but and, and it, it ended up working for him, and he was able to – he certainly missed it there at the end of regulation going into overtime and uh you know Washington had to sit they got the ball first they settled for the field goal there in the first uh, round of their overtime and then Oregon would not be denied uh with their running back CJ Verdell running in and in from six yards out to get to seal the victory for Oregon to, to run away with that win dude I just the way that game ended no I don't even think anybody touched him he ran right up the middle <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking to myself geez like that's a great way to win, lose this game you know like Nobody was even in position to stop this guy. Right. He he just found an open lane and it was to the house. I mean, there was you know, it's typically Oregon has these speed demons on their team. That's one of them. He took it to the house. They find themselves in a good position at five and one. You know, oh, yeah. their only hiccup, man, was that Stanford game. I know they're kicking themselves in the foot. That they, they should have won. Exactly, man. Have won. They had that game, but hey, it, it's hey, never over. To quote a great guy, Denny Green. We had him, and we let him off the hook. <laughs> no doubt, man. I, uh, I like that. So <laughs> this was a okay. This basically yep. had my mind like if I had explosives in my head, they would have went off. And and so I don't have nothing for this. When when you nope. as a as a James Franklin led <laughs> team sit, get on there and you lose a close one to Ohio State, and then proclaim your team is being great but not elite, and then you come out and lose to an average. Michigan State team, they do see themselves at four and two, which their their record is more impressive than what they've done this year. But man, when you get on there and proclaim your team to be great, and you slip up in a game like this and blow blow the game like you did, and the offense just was not clicking, man, I don't know what to say about Penn State. Penn State is another it's another one of those games right there where you had a chance and you had several chances to win this game to put it away. 
and you just couldn't do it. For whatever reason, mistakes, mental lapses, mental errors, I don't know. But you come off of a you come off of a off week, off of your bye week there. You've been sitting and thinking about this Ohio State loss, man. I, I really expected Penn State to come out gangbusters. I expected them to come out with some fireworks. I expected them to to really pound it into the ground and and, and prove to the world, hey, uh, you know, we are a great great team. And it just man, they 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 didn't happen, man. Things it was it was one of those things that it just felt like you know you you had you had chances and you had opportunities here and for whatever reason man, you just didn't take advantage of them. Yeah, it's one of those things that James Franklin and anybody typically when they predict something or they or say something, they put their foot in their mouth. And man, when I watched that game, Michigan or Penn State is not a great team. Obviously, mm-hmm. they they again it's very close. I mean, it, yep. you know, but it, this is typically a huge game. Um, but Michigan State found themselves, they, they have a struggling secondary, but the secondary was able to hold Trace McSworley, you know, to, to a respectable game. I thought Michigan State's defense was going to be able to slow Penn State's rushing attack down a little bit more, which they didn't. But, man, that Penn, you got to give Penn, or Michigan State a lot of props for actually coming down and slowing that offense down. Hey, well, you know what? You hang in there. You're, you know, you're able to, uh, to, to win the game there in the last, in the last minute. I mean, to, to put this game in, in your pocket and get out of there with a win when you're, you know, a heavy underdog coming in there. Uh, you're not the Michigan State that everybody has expected you to be. And uh, golly, man, get mad props to the Spartans. Yeah, man, that that non-tackle. I don't know what that one guy from Penn State needs some tackling lessons. Uh, <laughs> You know, like that close to the goal line, buddy, you got to step up and actually, uh, I mean, maybe Michigan State still scores, but dude, you got to actually learn how to tackle. Um, Put a little bit better effort into there. <laughs> exactly, man. So that, that again, that was a game that uh, made the head kind of uh, explode on the inside. But here's yeah. another game, man. The turnover chain. Uh, yep. Virginia <laughs> beats Miami. I say it. Virginia beats Miami, where a lot of people didn't give them a lot of chance, uh, much of a chance. Yeah, Perry struggles. He throws mm-hmm. two quick interceptions at the beginning of the game. Mark Rick panics and then switches to Malik Rozier, and it's one of those things. I think he hit the panic button maybe a little too soon. Miami couldn't get anything going. Virginia was stifling, you know, on defense, and, and they pulled the game out sixteen to thirteen. Well, let's uh, let's give credit where credit is due. There is a certain individual on this podcast who predicted that Miami would lose this game, and it's not me. So uh, good job to you for predicting the uh, rightfully so, man, that Virginia would come in and uh, I mean get a get a win out of this game. Uh, man, their defense shocked the mess out of me in this game. Miami came in averaging forty one and a half points, forty one and a half points, and they scored thirteen in this game. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Man, they're holding they're holding holding it down from 190 yards in the air and 149 yards on the ground. Man, that's impressive to me. Uh, forcing three interceptions and hold on to win that game, man. Golly, Cavaliers shaking things up there in the top 25. Yeah, man, and it, and it just goes to prove. I mean, Miami. You know, it's it's hard. It's always funny when somebody you know teams are proclaiming we're back, we're in it, and all this stuff. And then again, man, they come out and execute like they did against a Virginia team that a lot of people didn't give a chance to. I like right. the reason I went with Virginia this week is I like what they did last week, mm-hmm. um, and and they they pulled off. You know, they had a good win there, and it seemed like you know they have they had a little bit of the momentum. Miami, I think, was a little too high on themselves, and they got again 
brought back to reality in this game. And, and Mark Rick, I mean, he hit the panic button quick, man. He hit yep. eject on that court, that young quarterback, <laughs> like before you could even like, really? He was like, eject button, eject, let's, let's go back. And, it, and by that time, man, I was like, dude, it's too late. I hadn't even got off the runway yet hitting the eject button. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay, moving on to the Tennessee-Auburn game. Another game that I was like, I, you know, I'm, we've been saying Auburn's not that good this year. Yep. I've seen Tennessee play. Tennessee, you know, they look good sometimes and they look bad the majority of the time. The good <laughs> Tennessee showed up in this game and actually put it to Auburn. Um, it was a very interesting game. The first half saw Auburn win in 17-13. But again, the tell of two tails, that second half, Tennessee really dominated, scoring 14 points in that third quarter and hanging on for that win. I, I th- we said this last week. We said this the week before that, and we may have said it the week before that. I don't know what to do with Auburn. They are that team that's out there, that's still out there, that still I, – I, I feel like the broken record here. They don't know who they are. They don't know uh, – you know, they don't know their identity or anything like that. And, man, golly, uh, to, to lose to Tennessee uh, like this and, and to, to have the game and then to, be, and, and to lose it as Tennessee came from behind – uh, to rally, they rallied and won this game in the second half. Man, I tell you what, there's I, I know there's going to be a lot of questions that are being had against this Auburn team and wondering where they go from here and probably already starting to look towards next season at this point about and what happens around the uh, coaching staff at this point. Yeah, and I was really impressed. I was really impressed with Tennessee's quarterback Jarrett Garantino. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, but he was dropping dimes, dude. He yeah. was 21 for 32, 328 yards and two touchdowns, but there was one pass that just was so impressive throwing it into the end zone. And again, like he was dropping dimes on this secondary. And, and again, you've got to give Tennessee props for coming out ready to play. I didn't give them a chance to win this game because I've seen how, I mean, I should have looked at this Auburn team and said, look, <laughs> sure. Tennessee could beat them, but right. You know, and again, I don't know what to make of this Auburn and Gus Malzahn team. They're just, it just doesn't seem like they have everything. What it, what is it? I don't know, but I can't put my fingers on it. They're just not as good as advertised. Well, we didn't put this game in our, you know, in our top ten predictions because I, I you look at it and it's like, okay, all, you know, yeah, Auburn's coming off of a loss, but man, they should. Ha- I mean, it's Tennessee. They, uh, that, this should, they should be able to handle Tennessee. And man, was I surprised at this one. Yeah, man. So. Uh, that basically wraps up the top 25, you know, who took care of business, who didn't take care of business. So thoughts or impressions after week seven, the biggest surprises for me during week seven in the top 25 was how teams that claim to be great, like Penn State, I've already mentioned mm-hmm. it, lose to teams like Michigan State that just haven't been able to put it all together this year. You know, Arizona State was able to beat them. And how un- uncompetitive teams like West Virginia, who I thought would – would really be up for this Iowa State game. They just didn't put any points on the board. They struggled in that second half. Will Greer, you know, his Heisman hopes take a hit, for struggling two weeks in a row. I don't even think he's going to be in the conversation going forward anymore. Obviously, he can put up some big numbers later in the year. I just, you know, I don't see that really, you know, helping him out or his case in any way with them having, uh, you know, that, that that loss like they did and that bad performance against Kansas. But another one, man, for me was Georgia's inability to get anything going in that first half against LSU, and and it really didn't do them any favors falling behind as much as they did. 
Yeah, man. I think one of the I think one of the key takeaways for me, or one of the surprises, if you want to put it there, was the way that Michigan dominated Wisconsin. Um, and I just I didn't see that. I don't think most people saw that. You know, college game day. I mean, all, all this. You know, the hoopla surrounded that. And uh, I hadn't really been high on uh, on Michigan this entire year. And man, I really, I mean, I just did not see them dominating Wisconsin the way that they did. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, dude. I'm there with you. I did not see – I really thought Wisconsin – I know Michigan has a good defense. I thought Wisconsin yeah. was going to get a little bit more on, with that ground game going. I knew it was going to be tough yards, um, but, I, but I figured they would be able to figure it out. They did not. Michigan runs away with that one, um, like we said earlier in the broadcast, that you know they took care of that game. They're taking care of business right now. And again, man, when you're, your only loss is to Notre Dame, you're in good position. Um, they find themselves in, in number six in the, these new rankings, prime yep. position, sitting a, you know two spots behind Notre Dame, which find them on, on the, themselves undefeated at the number four spot. So Michigan is in good position right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they're not the only ones that are sitting there like that, but uh, you know you gotta you gotta give those guys credit, man. That they didn't you know kind of fold things up after that Notre Dame loss. You know you very well could have said, well, there goes our season. You know if we don't, you know we gotta you know we gotta run the table here. And they got some they got some tough matchups coming down the road too. I mean it's not like it's a cakewalk from here on out. But they've got themselves sitting there looking good that they can control their own destiny still. No, oh, without a doubt. So the new top twenty-five week eight AP poll is out. Alabama obviously continues to find themselves at number one. Ohio what? State. He's <laughs> like, what? Alabama? Yeah. Surprise of the year. <laughs> Ohio State finds himself at number two. Clemson, three. Notre Dame, four. LSU, mm-hmm. five, man. LSU cracks the top five with that huge win. Um, Michigan moves up to six. Texas, seven. Georgia, eight. Falls to eight. Oklahoma, nine. They had a bye week. Central Florida closes up the top ten. Not getting much love. They were there you know, before. Not going to move too much. You, you're going to see a lot of one-loss teams, possibly two-loss teams, stay in front of them. So it's going to. What are they going to do to really make that a statement for them to jump up in the rankings? I don't know. I don't even think there's a possibility. A lot of people are liking their chances if they do go undefeated. But again, man, I don't see the committee giving um, Central Florida much love with some of the matchups and the strengths of the schedule. I don't know. I tell you, there's a man. There's a there's some different things. There's moves and some shakers happening ha- around this uh, uh, around this top 25. I don't know that I saw LSU jumping up as many spots as they did with that uh, with that win over Georgia. Yeah, it was a huge win. But I mean, uh, you were just at number was it six? They were at two weeks ago before yeah. they lost to Florida, yeah. and then fell out of the top ten, went down to twelve or thirteen, 13. and then then they then they beat number two team in the nation, so they're back up there in the top five now. I mean, you know, you talk about a little bit of hot potato there. Uh, so I, I don't know that I saw them jumping up that many spots. Uh, that's happening there. Uh, I, I'm sitting here looking at West Virginia as at, at number thirteen, and there's only one uh, one lost team one one or two there's two one loss teams that are still uh, hanging out there or three or so uh so i thought west virginia might drop a little bit further down than what they did uh after the loss to iowa state especially just kind of how ugly that was tagged onto the fact of how they played the previous week as well uh but got some uh, teams that had not been previously ranked before that jumped in there as well this uh this week so you know good stuff that there is happening for iowa got in there at number 19 michigan state got in there for 24 and then washington state's in there at 25 oh man and and so some of the teams that dropped from the rankings obviously miami colorado and auburn you know miami was in uh, found themselves at number 16 position coming into that game they ended up losing against virginia colorado loses the usc 
you know, um, Auburn loses to, um, I mean, dude, that, that game <laughs> to Tennessee just blows my mind, but whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, so moving on to week eight, man. So the games of note, we, you just mentioned the team that a lot of, um, you know, college game day thinks is, is real deserving. Um, they carried, they took that flag around to all the old crimson. They've, They've been toting it around all the college game days, and for the first time ever, college game day will head to Pullman as number 25 Washington State hosts number 12 Oregon. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? I tell you what, uh, <laughs> I put a lot of stock into uh, into teams being on the road and also to the fact of teams uh, the weeks they came off previous and how much energy they had to expel, how much emotion. You're sitting there, you're looking at Oregon, who just came off of that huge upset win against Washington, and now they're traveling to Washington State. Uh, Washington State's going to be hungry. They're still out there trying to prove them, prove to themselves, you know, and prove to everybody else that they're a team to be reckoned with. Uh, Oregon's got a, uh, you know, got a great quarterback there. That is, there's a lot of conversation about him and what he'll be doing on Sundays in the next year or maybe two. Uh, could be a top five pick in the next year's NFL draft. So, uh, man, that's going to be that has the potential to be a really good game. I think College Game Day made a made a good choice heading out that direction. Yeah, I like I like what Washington State's doing, but man, you got to look at it this way. They're only passing the ball. Like I, I want to say, I want to say this is a Mike Leach led team. That <laughs> that is, uh, I don't know how many yards they have rushing this year, but I'm pretty sure majority of their games they've been ending with zero. Um, so I, I don't know if that's much in, in their game plan. Again, right. they find themselves in the top 25 at five and one. They crawl their way into it, but is a team that just strictly passes the rock. The whole entire game going to really be able to beat Oregon when they can, you know, pull their their ears back and just focusing on that 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 pass. We maybe Washington State surprises and actually runs the ball. <laughs> that would be shocking. <laughs> so let's move to a game that I was thinking that could have, you know, and maybe it was entertained a little bit by College Game Day because you have a battle of two unbeaten's in the ACC. So this is basically the ACC matchup of the week. It pits number uh, three Clemson versus number 16 NC State. Obviously, NC State finds himself undefeated, not getting much love in the rankings right now. But, hey, if they can beat a num the number three ranked Clemson Tigers, I don't know if you, you can disregard them. You can actually probably take them seriously, even though they don't have any big wins to date. That one, if they can pull that off, which Finley already quoted, he was like, man, we're going to go and win this game. So it's one of those things that, hey, if if they can do certain things, if they can protect the ball, there's a lot of things that can go into play here. But man, I don't NC State pulling off the upset against Clemson, do you think this happens? I tell you what, man, it very well could happen if for no other reason than the fact that NC State always seems to play Clemson tough. It's always close when those two collide. Um, it, it doesn't matter if NC State's any good or not. When, man, when Clemson's good, they've got to watch out for this little hiccup game. NC State has a, has the knack and has the potential there to really uh, do some damage against teams that are you know have national championships on their mind. They've done it for years against Clemson. They've done it for years against Florida State. Um, so it very well could happen. Man, if, if NC State could get that running game going, and they can, uh, and that's a tough, that's a tall order against this Clemson defense, especially the fact that they've had a little bit of time to rest as well. They're coming, in, they're coming to this game off of their off of their bye week too. Uh, we'll see what happens, but man, this this could certainly be a game that surprises a lot of people around the country. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on this one. This is going to be very interesting to me. Um, uh, and so we're going to move on to the SEC matchup of the week, obviously, where Coach O, the LSU Tigers, are going to take on Mississippi State. Again, a team sitting at number 22 I'm really not sold on. But, hey, Mississippi State, the quarterback Fitzgerald, they could step up and make this a game. LSU better not overlook them um, because it, they can find themselves in a tough position if they suffer that second loss. But – Coach O is going to have that team ready. He's definitely going to have that team ready, but this is not the this Mississippi State team is not going to be the same Mississippi State that we saw at the beginning of the year. We saw in the previous game, right before they went on their off week, that they really uh, cut Fitzgerald loose and allowed him not only to throw the ball, but also to run the ball. So this is going to be a completely different quarterback than what they saw in Jake Fromm of Georgia this past week. They're going to he's going to have the, the the potential there to really run run around the field a lot, make some plays with his feet. Uh, he's and he's a big boy; he can hurt you. So uh, man, they, you're right. They don't need to look past this Mississippi State team LSU looks like they're on the you know they're, they're they got their the ship righted there after that loss to Florida but uh man we also know that any team or any game each week I mean anything can happen without a doubt let's move on to the last matchup of the week that we ended up picking it's in the Big Ten we have number six Michigan at number 24 Michigan State so the Wolverines and the Spartans are going to square off Michigan's coming off a huge win Michigan State's coming off a huge win man this game could go either way. Throw the rankings out the window. Throw the records out the window. You have Michigan versus Michigan State going into a rivalry game with a lot on the line here. So you better believe that both coaches with both teams, they're going to come out with fire in their eyes, and, man, they are going to be ready to play this game. And this is going to be one of those coin flip, going to come down to the very end, I do believe. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. So here we are, brother. We find ourselves out of all the top 25 matchups that we have for week eight who do you have on upset alert well you know what man i think we've kind of highlighted it already to be completely honest with you but i'm really looking hard at number three clemson versus number 16 nc state that game right there once again not uh not a great believer in nc state or anything like that at this point they don't have anything on their record to indicate that they are undefeated they beat the teams that are on their record and now they got the, the they're squarely looking at clemson right now and this could be the upset heard around the world this weekend i mean I, I, yep i i'm there with you i think when you look at it on paper again i mean week seven week week six and week seven you know a lot of people didn't see the mayhem and chaos that was was going to happen. Um, there were some people calling for it, some people like like us saying some of these teams are going to take care of business. That didn't happen. Chaos, you know, just was in full effect. And then we're going to week eight, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, Tennessee, is it Alabama's time to struggle? <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe not. But like I said, I, I'm looking at this NC State game. I was there. Um, at, when they when they played, um, who were they playing this last game that I went to? It wasn't uh, it wasn't very impressive. Um, right. Uh, it was Boston College? Yeah, Boston yeah, College. Right. Yeah. So I was at the BC game, and and you know it, it was like, okay, can this team beat Clemson? I don't think so. But man, if if they come out strong and fast like they did against BC, even though they felt they faltered towards the end of that game and, and holding on. They still they have a chance, like you said. NC State plays Clemson historically. Just it's close. It's going to mm-hmm. be one of those games that comes to the end. It's almost like a Miami Florida State. It's going to be a close game. Um, who's gonna? Is it going to be a Syracuse Clemson close? We'll see. Typically, you know, it could come down a field goal, whatever it is. But 
hey, NC State has a chance in this game. And, and you know that when I look at the schedule right now, I don't like Mississippi State beating the LSU team. I don't think Michigan is going to slip against Michigan State, even though it's going to be a close game. Right. I see those teams really taking care of it. But, man, Clemson with that young quarterback, you know, he's faced a little bit of adversity. But, you know, he didn't look that crisp in his last game. You know, I don't think he played the whole entire game. But it's one of those things that NC State Finley, he's a veteran quarterback. I think he will have the offense ready. But he cannot, and I repeat, cannot make some of those mistakes that he did against Boston College for them to be successful. Oh, absolutely. They're going to, I mean, NC State's going to have to play its best game of the season uh, uh, by far. I mean, they can't, they can't be turning the ball over. They, they can't be putting the ball on the ground. They've got to make their catches. They've got to run their routes. Defense has got to be able to play disciplined ball, staying in their gaps, staying in their positions, uh, not letting anybody get outside of containment. Uh, this will be, this is going to be the hardest game that they've played all season. Uh, they've got to, they've got to stay in their positions and they've got to play disciplined ball, do their thing, trust their teammates to do their thing, and they might be able to sneak out out of here with a victory that that brother right there that really takes our show to the end um and, we, and right now we're within that hour mark we're sitting it's at, the this first, the first time, time ever <laughs> we're looking good maybe you know we're gonna put a couple minutes on it front and back with the intro and outro man but this is the first time we've been able to nail it down it just was a little bit of time i mean maybe some of those teams not playing this week helped us but again <laughs> you know We'll make sure we try to keep it in with this hour window so we're not keeping here everybody here forever. But, brother, like like I said last week and every other episode we've done, the first five episodes have been a blast. This sixth episode has been a blast, and thanks for your time, man. Hey, man, it's been great, man. I appreciate you putting all this together. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, keeping up with everything that's happening. Uh, thanks to everybody that's out there listening as well. We really appreciate all your support. Uh, hang with us through football season, man. This is going to get really, really good. Basketball season's around the corner, man. We're so excited about that, or I'm excited about basketball season. I know that you are too, Clint. And then, man, we'll see how things roll around the first of the year with baseball too. Yeah, man, just keep, just keep, stay with us, guys. We're gonna ha- it's going to be a process, a learning process once we throw in the, the mix of these other sports. You know, we're centrally focused on college football. The basketball season creeps in. And so we're going to see how we can balance this. But, guys, thank you so much for listening to the College Sports Hour podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, check out our first five episodes on iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube under College Sports Hour. You can also find us at heroesmediagroup.com by clicking on the Shows tab. Also visit our website at collegesportshour.com where we continue the college sports conversation, post articles, and give our weekly predictions on what we deem as the most important games of the week. This, This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, McPherson Marketing Group. If you're in the market for anything digital marketing related, check them out on McPhersonMarketingGroup.com. We also want to give a special shout out to all our family and friends who continue to support what we do and give us this time and and, and this little bit of, uh, you know, just so we can vent and talk and, and enjoy ourselves. So don't forget, guys, to join us next week for another episode of the College Sports Hour.